main speaker today, his name is Nelson Jesus. I like that. And, um, but, but first of all, we're going to have an introduction to the work of um, a Teen Challenge, and we're going to have a couple of te- great testimonies, uh, and then we're going to have uh, Jesus bring the word today. We've been waiting a lot, about 30 years on Jesus bringing the word, eh? <laughs> That's good. That's good. So, we're in for a great time, guys. And uh, how many of you, uh, uh, Andrew Waring, who's going to introduce the team, was asking how many people here would have heard of Teen Challenge before? I don't mean pimples and things like that. It's a different Teen Challenge, but, right, quite a lot. All right. Why don't you put your hands together and give it up for Andrew Grant, William, and Nelson Jesus. Welcome to the platform. All four of you, all four of you, all four of you, come up. All right, son. Evening, all. Uh, so uh, I suppose I'm going to. Are we all standing up here now? And yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. Yes, uh, we're Teen Challenge or part of Teen Challenge. Uh, We've all travelled down from Duns today, so about an hour and a while are you? All right. Uh, you hear me now? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What's all that about? <laughs> yeah, so we've travelled down from Duns today in a minibus, about an hour and a half. So, uh, but uh, yeah, Teen Challenge, it's, uh, I mean, I've done the programme myself. I work there now, I'm a support worker. I'm a staff, I've been free from drugs myself about 10 years now, so uh, uh, Teen Challenge has helped me out uh, to, to get where I am today. And uh, How many have travelled down today? There's 20 of us, isn't there? Or so, something like that. So, so a lot of you haven't heard about the place, then, eh? I'd say a few, of, a few of you have, and a few of you haven't. So... Uh, it's a place, it's a Christian rehabilitation centre that was started by David Wilkerson years ago. Uh, but we're, I suppose, part of that, years down the line, <laughs> so to speak. And we're based uh, near Duns, uh, a place called Winchester House, and uh, it helps people with drink and drug problems, uh, you know, from, from all ages, from, I mean, who's the youngest at the minute? 19? Glenn, 19? Way! <laughs> Uh, and I think we've even had people up to the age of like 60 so there's no age limit you know drink drugs it affects us all doesn't it whatever age you know so it's there and uh, it's a structured program certain phases uh, you know and it lasts what is it 12 months now is it 12 months now yeah it used to be 18 but it's 12 now Uh, uh, and in that process I suppose it's a place where God really helps guys change their lives that's it. It's, it's, that's what it's about. Guys come in. It's a Christian-based program. God is in the program. We lead guys to that place, and then it's up to them to choose to walk down that road themselves. And in that journey, you know, most of the guys meet with God and are totally transformed and changed. You know, and uh, drink and drugs, when it gets hold of you, you know, probably from people that you know, that it, it just destroys, doesn't it? Everything. It destroyed my life before I became a Christian and changed. Uh, and uh, it's great to see guys come in and, you know, the process to go through and the change that happens to hopefully get them to the end of the 12 months so they can go back into society and, and live a life without taking drink and drugs. Uh, and I suppose that's what we're about. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm staffed there. I, I sort of help the guys, <laughs> sort of, in a sort of, you know, but uh, yeah, so anyway, so that's what we're about and, and what have you. Yeah, so. Thanks a lot, mate. Brilliant. Appreciate that. Next up, we have Grant Blair. Get off a of Grant, guys. Come on. It's a bit fun. Hi, guys. Uh, it's nice to be here again. Uh, just like to get a bit of encouragement. I've been here a few times before, and this is how church should be. I felt very welcomed every time I've been here. So just like to say, keep up the good work, and I thank you for that. You've always been uh, touched my heart since I first met you. Uh, as I say, my name's Grant. I come from Leith in Edinburgh. Sorry, Jimmy, about your team last week. Uh, but I'm going to share a bit of my testimony with you guys. Uh, 
As a child, things were really difficult for myself. Uh, there was a lot of traumatic things happened in my life. Uh, I witnessed my mother being sexually abused. Uh, something inappropriate happened to myself at a young age. I do remember my mother always taking like uh, overdoses and stuff because she was she had an illness called manic depression. So that affected my life at a young age, and obviously later in life, it caught up with me. But as I say, after all that happened, we moved away to Leith. And my mum started a new life and she became a Christian. So from the age of seven, I was in the church until the age of 13. But uh, you know what it's like for a teenager. And they want to play with their friends all the time, go and play football, go out and just do normal things a teenager wanted to do. So I sort of fell away from the church. But uh, at the time, I was still involved with the Boys Brigade, which was run by the Church of Scotland. So it was a good thing I was still in a community of Christians. But that fell away later when I was 16. When I started uh, going to house parties with my friends and we would start taking drugs, uh, recreational drugs like ecstasy, speed and whatnot. And at that time I formed a passion for rave music. Uh, it really took a hold of me, this music. Uh, uh, we started going to the events and I wanted to be like the guys on stage, the MCs. Uh, and within 18 months my dream became a reality and I started gigging in the rave scene. I'd done that for 19 years involved in lots of big events up and down the country. Uh, running club nights myself in Dunfermline and Velocity, the last time it was opened, I used to be the events manager there. And down at Lorenzo, I used to work in there as well. But obviously, <clears throat> we've been involved with the rave scene, there's a drug culture that goes with it. And uh, that took a grip in my life. Uh, turned into a nasty person. Again, the things that I would do to people and just make funny people for no apparent reasons. Because I didn't like myself where I was at myself with the stuff that had happened when I was younger. Uh, so... As I say, the rave scene wasn't good for me, and it just obviously took me until last year to realise that after 19 years being involved in it. Yeah. So as I say, that was that. But uh, all the things that happened between the rave scene and the drugs involved, the things that has happened to me, uh, involved with the cause of drugs comes violence. I got involved in fights and stuff, and resulting where I just about died one time. I was stabbed in the side of the head, the skull. Went right through my eye, through this side of my skull, and knocked a bit of bone into my brain, which missed a major blood vessel by a millimetre. I was lucky to be alive, and I know, when I look back at it now, that was only by God's grace for me to speak to you today. Uh, so that was, that had psychological problems on me after that, realising I was different from everyone else. Uh, keep comparing myself, I was like, obviously I've got a bit of slant eye now, I've only got one eye. Found it hard to accept it. Yeah, so that went on for years, and I was still taking drugs at the time, and we were having this psychological problem in my eye, and feeling depressed and whatnot. The drugs on top just made me more paranoid, and I finally broke down eight months after uh, losing the eye. I was in the corner of my house, uh, sobbing like a wee boy, crying my heart out. Basically, well, I just realised what had happened to me. It wasn't a nice place. So I got myself together, as many times I tried to do before. My daughter came back to live with me. I, want, I got custody at court of her mother. I raised my daughter myself. Uh, obviously, I was still abusing drugs, which is not a good thing, but it was better for my daughter to live with me than her mother. Uh, so this time went on. I was still keep doing this, but my biggest brokenness really came in broad say when my mother died. Uh, she was my best friend. It's like about my mother. She's a Christian. I could go there. It was my safe place. Every time I'd be on the drugs feeling crap or upset, I could just go there. Because uh, I just I always knew the, the peace in my mother's house. I used to get there. She'd pray over me and whatnot. And I've always known I should have stuck with the Lord. And I always used to run away when I seen Christians. Because I knew deep down myself that, that I shouldn't be doing what I was doing. Uh, but uh, that was that was hard for me when I lost my mother. Uh, I felt alone. I didn't have anybody to speak to. And I just started taking drugs more often. Like during the week rather than just at the weekend. And it was just getting worse and worse and worse. And that went on for like three years. And I got to a place where I just wanted to die. I was in my room myself constantly. The only time I'd have uh, contact with people would be Facebook or unless I was going at the weekends to get drugs. Everything was drug induced when I would leave the house. So I didn't watch telly. I was just in a, a depressed state. I just didn't see a way out anywhere. And obviously... I had a thought to myself, I've got the God option, he's the only one who can help me here for everything I'm suffering. Uh, and I remember I'd went to church with my stepdad one night, and I don't know why, <clears throat> I just went and it was a teen challenge outreach meeting. I was, oh, aye, very good. 
Uh, and I heard about obviously what the guys put on. I went, no chance, that's not for me. But the seed had been planted. So as I say, further down the line, I got to another place in my life where I needed to get away. I'd had enough of this, the losing jobs, getting myself into a cycle where paranoia was overcoming me and what to kill myself. I just wanted to die. I just didn't trust anybody, never mind myself. So I came to Teen Challenge uh, last April uh, and foolishly I left after 10 weeks. I never built the right foundations. I was still thinking of the worldly things. Rave scene, my daughter. Just, I was just letting all the pressures build up in me. I wasn't letting go and letting God. Didn't enjoy my time at the first program. So I finally, I left. Uh, I was okay for five weeks. I started talking to a girl. Things started happening for there, let that in. Then started back taking the drugs again. But something happened when I slept a week later. I was in the middle of the Edinburgh Festival. Just, uh, I was going to meet this girl, funny enough. And I bumped into a staff member and two residents for Teen Challenge. And I was like, oh, wait a minute here. I, mean, I never thought I'd see these guys ever in my life in the middle of Edinburgh Festival. What's the chances? So that sort of put me off my stride with this date with this girl and whatnot. And it just, I was just, wow, I was just blown, blown away by it. So I never thought I took any more thought of it. I kept doing what I was doing until uh, I got a new job. And the name of the site was called Charles Church. And I'm like, all oh, right, there's something else in this here. That's another thing that's happened with God. And I found out the site manager was a pastor for South Africa and we got speaking and I was just, I was blown away by that. God, God came looking for me. You know, his love, he put people on my path to, for me eventually to come back to him. It's just shown how patient he's been with me. So I came back to Teen Challenge at the end of last, September the 30th. I've completed the program. It was hard. Uh, I dealt with all the issues that I've spoken about. I uh, got delivered for them. Uh, I was very transparent and uh, more than the first time I was in the program, I've let God come and change my life. Uh, I've been in the street and outreached. Uh, I got baptised. I just know that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me now. I can see that. So, that's where I'm at now. I'm on a, a volunteer or a staff, well, when they say a staff member, it's called Independent Living. And it's just volunteering at the moment because I finished the programme. Uh, just going a bit, supervising the guys on work duties and that and just helping the guys whenever anyone needs help and just, just doing what's ever asked of me, to be honest, just to serve the Lord. Uh, for the future, well, I'm going to hopefully be going to Nottingham Leadership Academy Teen Challenge starting in January. I've signed my application form and stuff. Uh, I'm going to be going down there in a couple of weeks for a three-day trial to try out the school, see how they do things down there. Uh, so, yeah, that's basically, I'm going to learn to obviously lead other people to Christ, get a deeper knowledge of God and learn how to help people. So I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be another challenge for me, but I know the power of Christ will get me through it. Thank you very much. Hey, give it up again. Come on. God's good. God is good. Hope where there is no hope. Possible. Don't you just love it how God seems to have a wee hobby up his sleeve? He just loves to invade the impossible. He loves to invade the impossible and bring about the possible. Well, let's give it a once more for Grant. That was fantastic. It was great. It was great. Next up. Next up, we have William Redpath. You're the chef now. Is that right, mate? William's a chef now. I learned very early in life, stay close to the chef and you'll never go wrong. So come on, let's give us, give us your stuff, son. It's great to be back in Fife. Um, <laughs> um, my name's William, I'm 27, I'm from St Andrews, um, down the road a wee bit. Um, growing up, I had a, a quite a good upbringing. Um, my mum and dad done, done what they could for me, they done everything they could. I was brought up in um, St Andrews Baptist Church from a young age, r roughly about five, six, six year old. But um, it was a, it was a lot of things going on, but and behind the scenes, um, from five-year-old, I was um, sexually abused. I went through horrific um, things that people should never see, people should never experience. This went on for about five years. I was about ten-year-old. Um, and what what happened was um, the social work got involved, and they kind of they were asking questions and stuff like that, and then. Um, 
but I, I was I was that scared. I never never told anybody. Um, the guy who who done it, it was a, a close family friend. Um, he he put put fear into me. He always told me he said if you ever tell anybody, I will kill you. So um, growing up, I, I had a lot of anger, a lot of bitterness, a lot of resentment to a lot of people, to my family for not noticing, um, to to the government, well, to, to the authorities, the police and stuff. I don't, I look back now and I don't think they look too, too hard into it. Um, he, he had already, the guy had already been questioned previously um, about other people. So kind of growing up, I, I was um, trying to deal with this, not knowing how to deal with it. So about 13, 12, 13, I started taking drugs, started drinking, started going out the weekends. Um, that, that wasn't enough. I started drinking every couple of days then, about 15, 16, not going to school, um, just going out and getting mad with my, with my mates. Started about 16, started taking like Valium and stuff like that, um, downers. Um, and then I started about 18, um, I took care on for the first time. Growing up, I had an older cousin, Mark, um, he was um, he was a heroin addict, but the, the thing was that we were closer and cousins were more like brothers. Um, I looked up to him, but the thing was that I never I, I seen I seen how bad his life was. But you know I wanted to be like him, but I didn't want a heroin addiction. If you if you know what I mean by that. Um, so um first in November 2007, he, he got out of Barony Prison. Um, this was quite um, common. He was in and out of prison for about 10 years. I remember I was on the phone to him the week before he was getting out, and he said, um, sorry I've missed you, your birthday. Um, it was a few weeks previous. Um, he said, I'm sorry I missed your birthday, but he, I'll make it up to you. Um, I'll go out and have a drink now. I'll go and get something to eat and stuff, and I'll have a good time. That never happened. He went, the day after he got out from prison, he went down to Methil um, to pick up a crisis one. It was the last time I seen him. Um, he, he died 13 days later, 14th of November 2007. He died of a, a drug overdose. Um, at that time, it was, it was quite bad in life for, for overdoses. Um, a few of his pals died roughly around the same time from, from Methil and leaving. Um, so, like I said, I tried heroin with him at 18. Um, tried it once, it twice. Um, to be honest, I, I, I liked the feeling it gave me. It took away all the, the pain, all the hurt I had. I was trying to carry all the shame, all the guilt, um, all the anger and stuff. So once he died, um, I was like, uh, I was quite selfish, I said. If it's going to take him, it might as well take me. So from that, a couple of weeks after that, I started injecting. Um, next thing I, I know, I'm, I'm at the, the doctor's trying to get a methadone script. 19-year-old, I, I got put onto methadone. I got put onto 100 mil. Um, they put me on pretty quick. Kept on upping it every couple of weeks. And like, I know it, I was on 100 mil. That wasn't enough. I was... Always went out trying to buy more methadone, trying to buy more heroin, more Valium, um, to to kill this pain that I had in my heart, um, to, to numb all that stuff that was going on. Um, so this went on for a, a few years um, on methadone, and then I went into prison. Um, just before I went in, I, I got struck off from a hundred mil. Um, I was missing appointments, giving dirty samples all the time. And then I was in prison and I was in for um, 14 months. Um, and during that time, I got put back on. But I, I always say to the doctor, I don't want to be on a ridiculous amount again. So they kept my level at about 50, 55 mil. So once I got out, um, my wee sister was, was going to a church in Dundee and she said to me, um, look, I can get you help. There's a, a pastor that's willing to help you. Um, Ken, his name was, Ken Field. And he said, if you go and see him, you can get the ball rolling and start helping you. 
So I look back now and I, I realise um, that was my first step of faith. I, I went up to his work in St Andrews. I said, look, I need help. Um, I'm a heroin addict. He didn't, he, he'd heard about, heard about me, but he hadn't met me before. And he said, well, I've been met on this. <laughs> so um, this, I never knew this at the time, but the church had been praying for me. Um, while I was in prison, they were praying that I would, I would take that step and I would go and ask for help. So the journey started then. Um, while I was, I was meeting up with Ken and, and a couple of other guys that were helping me, um, I was still taking drugs, I was still dabbling. But there was one time I, um, I was in the house and the police come to the door and um, they said that they had warrants out for my arrest for non-appearance of court. So I kind of panicked. I, I said, well, give me a minute, I need the toilet, I need to go and get a drink and stuff. I went into the kitchen and I took my whole weekend's methadone. Um, I took a, a dose of Valium and Tramadol as well. Um, the handcuffed me and took me out to the van. I remember driving into going office police station and that's the last thing I remember. Um, what happened was I, I took a bad overdose, died in the back of the police van. Um, the paramedics turned up and they had to, to put the machine on me and bring me back to life in the back of the ambulance. I got to Kirkcaldy Hospital and um, they had to transfer me. I was dying. I was didn't think I was going to make it. Um, so they transferred transfer me to Queen Margaret. And um, I remember waking up and two police officers outside the bed. I was handcuffed to the bed. And they said, look, we're going to have to release you. We can't keep you into custody. And they told me what had happened. I died twice that day. I look back and I see God's hand upon my life. Um, he's, he always had a plan, even I had to go through that kind of stuff. So um, Ken introduced me then. He said that I can get you away, I can get you to a rehab and stuff. He said, but I want you to, to make a commitment. I want you to, to start meeting up once a week, um, start that commitment. So I was meeting up and, and then I filled out the application. I think it was about six months I was meeting up with him for. Um, and then coming to Teen Challenge on the 21st of March 2014, um, I walked into to Whitchester House, a broken man. Um, I, I couldn't look at people, I couldn't speak, I couldn't, just couldn't make any contact with anyone. Um, I was hopeless, I had no hope. You know, and I was just, yeah, in bits. So going through the program, um, I had a lot, a lot of stuff I had to deal with. Um, I think it was around about phase two, phase two of the program I started dealing with the abuse I went through. And that was one day, um, I was in a counselling session with, with my advisor, and um, he said, I've, I've got this thing I want, want you to go through. Um, imaginative prayer. So I was um, brought back to, to a place where where I was in a room with this guy who was abusing me and I could see it was so clear, I could see like everything, even the room I was in, I, it was just so clear. Um, and then my advisor said, he said, just imagine it's about to happen. And it, was, it wasn't very nice at the time going through that. But then the power of God come upon me and cleansed my, my mind, my heart, my just everything, cleansed my whole body. Um, and I, I just, I knew then my life's going to be different now. I just, something happened within, deep within. And I had no guilt, I had no shame, I had no anger towards this guy, I had nothing. So then, going through the program, I was home. Um, on phase four for, for a couple of days and I was in Dundee shopping with my wee brother and um, I walked past the guy who abused me and just as I walked by I heard the Holy Spirit saying within me, go and speak to him, go and forgive him and I freaked out and I was like, God, I can't, I can't do this, I was really scared I was, and so I phoned up one, one of my close friends that was on the program at the time, I told him what happened and he said, um, he said, you need to, to be obedient to this. God's telling you to do this. 
That's a big thing. So I went away and I prayed. I was like, God, if this is what you want me to do, then put him in my path again. So about an hour later, I was walking into the bus station, and there he was standing there. Got on, got onto the same bus as me, back to St Andrews, and uh, I knew I had to do it. So I waited. I didn't want to make a like a, I didn't want to make it bad for him, like on the bus. So I waited until he got off the bus, and um, I went up to him. He was standing. He was with his mum, and I went up to him. And I said, "Look, um, I just want. I want to speak to you." Um, and he kind of looked a bit gobsmacked. Um, I said, look, I said, I forgive you for what you've done to me as a child. I said, I don't want to hold anything against you anymore. And I, I just, I really sat. And um, I went to walk away and I, I turned around again. And I said, and Jesus loves you. And once I said that, it was like a, a release of freedom again. Just a, a different level of freedom. Um, and I, I was praying, praying for him um, after that for, for a while. And... I don't know, I've never seen him again after that, but, um, so I don't know what happened. I don't know if God intervened in that, but I gave it to him and, and it was released from me. So then, after I finished the program, um, I went down to the Leadership Academy. I went down there for six months in Nottingham. Um, I got trained to, to do evangelism and stuff. I was out in the streets helping people, um, giving other people hope that I had in my life. Um, after I finished the leadership, I went back, moved back up to Scotland. I moved to Dundee, um, and I got involved with a, a church plant in Dundee, um, with the Point Church. Um, I went on for a couple of years, and during that, I was I was also studying at college. I went to Dundee College and um, studied professional cookery. I went there for two years, um, and. I got a job then in St Andrews. My cousin opened up a cafe, so I was working, running the kitchen for him um, f- for a year. Um, but during this, I, was, uh, I got involved with a girl from Aberdeen, got in a relationship, but uh, it never worked out. And I kind of, I was broken hearted. I, I felt, felt sorry for myself, really. Um, I, I, start, I started to drink again. Um, I had a drink a few times and then there was a lot going on, there was a lot of pressure at work and stuff, I, I, I couldn't handle it, I didn't, I, I didn't look to God to help me through it, um, and I, I, I used heroin twice again, um, and it was enough, and, and I, I, I thought to myself, if I don't sort this out quick, it's going to end up really bad, um, start thinking about my family and the stuff they went through, was my cousin, and I thought I can't do this. So I got in contact with, with Richester again, um, one of the, the guys I'd done the programme with, and I said, look, I, I've made a backside, really. I said, I need help, and I need to come back in for a wee while. So then, four days later, I was back in Richester, um, and I, I knew I'm going to have to make sure this is, this is at this time. I, I need to, to work through these things that I, I never worked through worked through it before um, and so I've been back in Wichester since July um, I've done a three month restoration program um, just to get my, myself back with God and to get my, my head leveled out again um, and then I was about one day I was one day actually I was I was away to leave um, I thought I've, I've been here long enough it's not it's not the way I thought it was going to be. Um, I kind of wanted it to, to be my my own way, really, and instead of coming under the forty. So um, I was away to leave, and then one of the advisors said to me, "Look, um, if you knuckle down, get your head together, and just get on with it. There's, there's a job there if if you want it. Um, we're looking for a chef." So then. I got on with it, I knuckled down and humbled myself and just pressed into God more. Um, and then I got the job um, a few, well, about six weeks ago. I started six weeks ago. Um, you know, and I, I'm thank, really thankful for, for God's grace. And even though when things are looking hard and 
and stuff like that. There's always a breakthrough around the corner. You just don't know how close your breakthrough is. So um, the future, I'm, go I'm going to stay with Chester for a roughly about a year. Um, they're going to put me through SPQ level two in health and social care. Um, going to work in the kitchen as well as a support worker. Um, and then after that, I'm going back to Dundee and get involved with, with my church again. Um, it's just opened up there a few months ago to the public. Um, um, the, point, the Point Church. Um, so I'm going to get involved with that again, get involved with outreach, get involved with the youth ministry. Um, as God's put a, a lot of that on my heart for, for the youth and for people that are caught in addiction and stuff like that. So um, I'm looking forward to the future. Come on, guys. Thanks, William. Thanks, guys. All right, you can take your seats, guys. Okay. If you get your, get your Bibles ready, and uh, obviously the service is going to be a little bit longer today, and if you need to go at some point, your kiddies, well, that's fine, but I tell you what, you can't get this stuff in a book or on BBC One. It's God's stuff, it's great stuff. Put your hands together and welcome Nelson Jesus. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. It's a little bit better now. So it's amazing when we ask the boys to come and testify. They say, oh, no, 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 because uh, no. And I say, just two minutes, five minutes. <laughs> and then, you know. Okay, I have a problem because... Every time I come to a new church to preach, the first thing I do is, where is the clock? And there's no clock here. It's a problem. <laughs> Not from, no, no, I have a clock. I'm just, uh, okay. So my name is Nelson of Jesus. It's, <laughs> I think my mom, when I born, she thought probably... God has a plan for my boy. And it's true. So, um, I'm going to be quickly. I'm Portuguese. There's any Portuguese here? Spanish? Portuguese? Spanish? Brazilian? Bom dia. <laughs> oh, I need to speak Portuguese sometimes because my kids... I live in Scotland now for two years. I work in Teen Challenge for 20. I start in Portugal and I came two years ago to Scotland, work in Teen Challenge UK. And then in my house, I have two boys and my youngest boy, guess what? He speaks Scottish. <laughs> hey dad, where is my, my brother? Who? My brother. It's your brother. Because, because in Portugal we learn more American, not that English or British or Scottish. Um, one day he come home and say, Oh, Dad, I learned uh, new words in English. What words? The colors. Which colors? Oh, red and blue and brown. <laughs> Can you say again? Oh, uh, red, blue, yellow, brown. So I need, to, I need someone to speak Portuguese. <laughs> I need to listen Portuguese. Um, okay, I want to challenge you today because every time I read my Bible, it's a challenge for me. I don't know about you, but I think we need challenge in our lives. <laughs> Before, not now. Open your Bibles, please, and, and look chapter... 15, and I'm going to ask Paul to come. And I know when you listen Luke 15, in your head uh, comes that word, oh, he's going to speak about the prodigal son. But uh, what I want to do today is to challenge you to understand, I, I want to help you to understand what's the purpose to be here today. 
What's the purpose to be Christian? Why I'm a Christian? Why as a church, why we came here, for what? Yes, I know, to worship God, to listen to the Word of God, and, but for what? We need to understand what God wants from us. Amen. And in Luke chapter 15, Jesus tell me, what's my job? Why he called me? Why he changed my life 22 years ago in Teen Challenge program? And you guys, it's, it's easy and it's good to, to come here and testify, oh God changed my life and all that, it's good. But God changed your life for a reason. Because He loves you, of course. But He wants to use your life. And you guys, you are in the program today. And it's good because God wants to change your life, change your family. But it's not enough. There's more. God wants to use your testimony. God wants to use your life to help others one day. Amen. Paul, can you read? Open your Bibles, Luke 15. And let's read from verse number 1. And Paul is Welsh, so he's the accent, Welsh accent. Hello. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain and he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go and search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Amen. Thank you. So, Jesus, he used three parables to teach me, to teach you today, what's your purpose? What's our purpose as a church? And first, Jesus says, there's one man with a hundred sheep. But he lost one. And, and, and he decided, okay, I'm going to leave the 99. And I'm going after the lost. My purpose as a Christian, and I know God, he saved my life 20 years ago in Teen Challenge program. Because he wants to use my life to help others. My purpose, your purpose, it's, it's to go after the lost. And I know there's hundreds of, of, of people here in, 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 in Scotland, in your, in your street, in your, in your um, city. They need help. You know why you are here today? Because someone one day... Come to you and say, come to our church. We can help you. There's hope for you. I'm here today because 25 years ago, my mom, my, my father was an alcoholic. Myself and my brother, we take drugs all the time and steal and all that. And my, my mom, she always uh, um, crying and, and sad and take antidepressives and all that. And one lady, an old lady, one day says, what's happened with you, Lena? It's my, my mom. And my mom says, oh, I have two kids on drugs. My, my husband is alcoholic. I'm desperate. I want to kill. I want to die. I want to kill myself. And that old lady says, there's hope for you. Do you want to come to me, to our church? We can pray for you. We can pray for your family. And God has the power to change your family. And guess why? I'm here today. Because one lady, old, it's not the pastor. It's not someone who a big knowledge about the word of God. But he says, come to our church. 
It's not a perfect church, but we have someone who can help you. His name is Jesus Christ. I'm going to say again, His name is Jesus Christ. You have a purpose to do. It's nice, that, that place, it's nice, it's lovely, the worship team, it's, it's so good to come to church, nice and tidy and clean, and, and, but please, there's loads of people outside crying and sadness, hopeless. It's good for us to be here today, it's nice, but what's happened with the lost ship? Sometimes we need to, to let the 99 and go after the lost. I'm here today, not because a pastor, a brilliant mind, someone who knows all the Bible, no, old lady, and I don't know his name, she's name, I, I don't know that lady. My mom, she told me after a few, oh, that lady come to me and say, can, can I pray for you? You want to come to our church? We can help you. And we can help your son to go to a place, a rehab center called Teen Challenge. And we can help in your relationship with your husband. One lady. And you can be that person who can make the difference in a family. I'm married today with a beautiful wife, two kids, my brother, the same. When my dad and my, my mom, they died, there was a Christians in the church. You know why? Because one lady had the, the courage. Oh, he understood why God called me, why I'm a Christian, to help others. Jesus says in, in Mark 10.45, I came not to be served, not to listen worship all the time, not to read good books, not to... No, I came to serve and to give my life for others. That's your purpose. That's my purpose. I work in Teen Challenge because I believe when God saved my life, He saved me to be here today to help you, to preach. Amen. Amen. So let the 99 and go after the lost. And there's a world lost outside. So look into the eyes of the people around you, in your, in your, in your neighbor, in your, in your job. And, and, and Oh, but I don't know the word of God. I'm, I'm a young Christian. It doesn't matter. Just, you want to come to our church. I can, I can, I can introduce you to our pastor and he can speak with you. And it's the beginning of everything. Amen. Yeah. Kevin, let's read the Bible now, the same passage about a woman. Okay? Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Amen? So first, Jesus says, my purpose for you, my purpose for the church, it's go after the lost ship. And then Jesus came with another parable, with another story. He says, a woman lost a coin where? 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 Inside the house. And I, I don't go into in details and cultural, but how many Christians I met in churches inside the house but lost? Probably you are here today, but you feel lost. My purpose as a Christian is to look after my family here. How many times in my life I came into 
my church in Portugal, in Lisbon, but I feel lost, I feel sad, I feel so, so anger, I feel that I feel bad with myself, I feel, and no one in that church come to me and say, Nelson, what's up with you? You look sad. Can I speak with you? You want to speak? Want to talk? Can I help you? No, I came into the church and I worship God and I listen to the word and I finish and I away the same way. Lost, sad, upset. Four years ago, I was a manager in two rehab centers in Portugal. I was a pastor. I used to preach in different places in Portugal and Spain. But every time I came home, I see sadness in my wife. I was available for everybody except for my wife. I have patience for listening people talking about his problems and all that. But when my wife, now, so, uh, honey, can I speak? And I need, oh, I'm tired, Martha. I, I spend time and time talking with my kids. And I have a teenager, and you know, teenagers need attention. Amen. Now it's the teenagers. Hey, 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 yes. And I remember one day, one of my, my youngest says, Dad, why you play football with the boys in the program and you don't play with me? Why are you laughing with the, the, the boys in the program? Why are you so nice with the guys in the program? But with me, sometimes you don't have patience in time. <laughs> Friends. Now, every time I go home, now my first church, now my priority, now my... My job, my, my passion, it's my wife and my kids. One day, a boy says to his mom, Mom, can we move to the church? Can we live in a church? And, and the mom, what do you... Oh, I want to live in, in a church. Can we move our house to church? And his, that mother says, oh, well done. My, my boy, she, she loves Christ. She loves the church. Amazing. But why would you want to move to the church? Oh, because you and dad are so nice in the church. <laughs> and it's true. Please, when you go home today, grab the face of your wife, your husband, and say, I love you. You are my friend. Amen. Go after the lost inside the house. Because sometimes we have people lost inside the house. And Jesus says, I have a purpose for you. I have a purpose for the church. Go after the lost. Do outreach. Go and speak about God and this and that. Homeless and drug addicts. And... But don't forget the people inside the house. Don't try to, to, to be good and friendly for everybody. But when you, go home, when you come back home, where is the remote? Why the tele is not in Sky Sports? Do you understand? And more than do you understand, do you agree with me? Before, my wife, she loves kisses and hugs and touches and... And, and, and I'm not that kind of... My personality, I grew up with no kisses, with no hugs. The first time my dad says, I love you, he gave me a kiss. I was in a program with 20 years old. So I don't know that kind of hugs and affection. But my wife, she needs that. And I remember being on the sofa, watching telling my wife, grab my hand and start doing that. And, 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 I, and I, for a moment, I stopped looking at everything and, and just praying, God, please. 
I'm waiting for her to take the hand of me because no, I love my wife. Honestly, I, I love my wife. I need my wife. Men, we need our wives. And uh, honey, please, I, I don't know why, but, but now when I go home, I, honey, how are you? In the sofa, say to my boys, Gonzalo, go that corner and honey, come here. Because my first ministry, it's my wife, it's my family, it's my house. How can I go and preach in front of you if... Amen. Gary, and this, the, the, the last um, few verses in that uh, chapter, Luke 15. Luke 15, um, 11, parable of the lost son. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me a share of the estate. So he divided the property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there he squandered wealth with wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to the citizen of that country, who sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? I am here starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still long off, a long way off, His father saw him, and he was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms round him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to his servants, Quick, bring me the best robe and put it on him. Put the ring on his finger and the sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the eldest son was in the field. Where he came near to the house, he heard the music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, What is going on here? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has seen him back safe and sound. The elder brother became very angry and, and refused to go in. So his father went and pleaded with him but he answered his father look at all these years i've been slaving for you and you've never and i've never disobeyed your orders yet you never gave me even a young goat uh, so i could celebrate with my friends but when this son of yours who has squandered your property and wealth with prostitutes comes home you kill the fattened calf for him my son the father said You are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because your brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost, and now he is found. Amen. So if you want to know your purpose in life, read that scripture. And understand your purpose as a church, as a Christian. First, it's go after the lost. Let the 99 inside the house and go after the lost. Be that person who can make the difference in a family like that old lady makes in my, my family 20 few years ago. Your purpose is inside the house, inside the church. We call brothers. We need to do that. We need to treat us like a brother. So, Open your eyes. You don't need the revelation from, you don't need the angel to come to you and say, go to that sister and, no, just open your eyes and look around you. 
and, and, and help. Let's help one another. And then Jesus finished with that, and everybody knows that story. A man with two sons inside the house. But one, he left the church, uh, uh, the program. Oh, he left the house. How many Christians you know, for some reason, and, and life is hard, who knows that? No one, please help me, because my life is hard, it's difficult. Life is painful, now it's, it's not easy. And sometimes I know hundreds of people who left the church for different reasons. Right now in Brazil, there's more ex-believers than believers. There's more people, they left the church. One day he was here praising God, worship God, preaching the gospel, whatever. But they left the church. Because there's different reasons. And I don't care why people left the church. I don't care why people... Is not here anymore. But I want to be able, the first day I see that people open my arms and say, welcome. Welcome home. Because he's my brother. I'm here today in Scotland. People say, you crazy. You left Portugal. Nice weather, food, everything in Scotland. Raining, dark, snow. Thank you. I came here because one day I was lost. I was a minister. I was a preacher. I was a pastor. But in Italy, in a conference, a pastor from Australia came to me and said, Nelson, I have a word for you. I see you, um, you in a black pool. And if you don't stop, you're going to fall in that pool and you're going to die. You, your family, your ministry, and you're dead. You're finished. Because four years ago, because loads of things happened in my life and with leaders and with church and it's a nightmare, I started to drink again. I started to taking drugs again four years ago. So 20 years after my program, I was a manager Good family, good car, house, everything a man wants. But I was lost. I was far from God. And I felt there's no hope for me. I'm going to try to, the show must go on till one day. And that pastor says, Nelson, go back to Portugal and ask for help. And I was so afraid to come and say, I need help. I'm lost. I'm a hypocrite. I'm a liar. And I start to believe it's finished. The joy, the happiness, the purpose, help people, help others, finish. I'm done. How it's possible after what I have done the last three months using drugs and taking alcohol and all that, so I came to Portugal and I say, I need help. And I, someone asked, you can go to Willoughby House in Nottingham for a few months for restoration. Put yourself good with God. And, 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 but, and I came to, 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 to UK. But because I don't care. I lost everything. I lost my ministry. I lost my family. I lost everything. And I came to Nottingham with just a few bags with my clothes and that's all. But the way the people in Willoughby House, they accept me. The way they say, Nelson, you're welcome. The way they say to me, Nelson, it, this is not the end. It's just the beginning of a new season in your life. The doors, it's not closed. 
If you repent, if you, not, if you are honest, and if you work hard, and if you believe, and if you, if you humble yourself and trust, God can restore your ministry, God can restore your life, God can restore your marriage, God can restore everything. And guess what? We need to understand that all of us, we have problems. But we have a God that is bigger than our problems. You have a purpose. You have a job to do. I have a purpose. Every time I see a guy to come to Teen Challenge, if it's the second time, the third time, whatever, I don't care. I know God can do everything new. Amen. Go after the lost. Find lost here. And welcome. Join us again. Don't judge. Don't say, oh, they know where is the church. If they want to come back, they come back. They know my number. So if they want to call, just, no, you, you, it's your job. It's your purpose. Go after that people and say, welcome again. Amen. God bless you a lot.